Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. I have waited a long time for this one. I guess patience does pay off. Terry Lindor has been on my guest list since the very beginning of this podcast. I've been following his work for quite some time, and I've definitely become a fan. Terry left behind a successful business in real estate to pursue a passion and a much bigger calling, becoming a creative and an impactful and positive influencer in our society. In this episode, we talk about what motivated and inspired that transition in his life, as well as the launch of his creative agency and influence conferences, through which he has managed to surround himself and collaborate with some of today's most reputable thought leaders, such as Gary Vaynerchuk, Casey Neistat, Malala Yousafzai, Grant Cardone, Charlemagne the God, and many others. Finally, we discuss about one of his biggest missions, youth empowerment. I hope you enjoy this conversation. What's, what's the catchphrase? Oh, hey, we're about to get started. <laughs> I love it, man. Uh, thanks for being on, man. I, I really appreciate it. I know that you're a busy man. And uh, just a shout out and a big thank you to whoever it was that canceled on you last minute. Because <laughs> it left the door wide open for me. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here. And to be honest with you, George, is like I told you behind the scene. Anybody creating stuff, I'm I'm all in. You know, uh, I'll I'll definitely do uh, participate or partake in anybody taking time to be vulnerable, right? Because we're all learning this technology mm-hmm. thing, podcasting thing. So good for you, man. I'm I'm blessed. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Like I told you before, we went on air. I mean, this is something completely new. This is something I started this year, uh, essentially <laughs> just because. Uh, I felt that there was something missing. There was a lot of people working behind the scenes, mm-hmm. not only in politics where I come, where I came from, but in any uh, industry yep. or area. And I thought it would be cool to kind of just expose them what they're doing, what, yep. what's the story, how are they uh, contributing to society. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, obviously, you're on my list, you know, since the very beginning. But you're uh, you're a very busy man. I, I I try to stay busy in the field of entrepreneurship. If you're not busy, logically, you're not doing something good. Yeah. So that's something also I have a uh, struggle with, to be frank with you. So You've yeah. always been this, uh, you've always had this busy lifestyle, this busy schedule? I, You know, I, I played basketball, uh, you know, all my life. And as an athlete, you're always busy because if you play at a certain level, and, and we, we I played in uh, Alicien Paget, actually, in the close to Park Park yeah, yeah, that's it. And we had like the number one basketball program in Canada. So very quick, they, they sh- not shelter you, but they put you in a position where you don't have time to do bad things. You don't have time to do drugs. You don't have time to, to run after girls. You don't have time to, to, to be in gangs. They just want to keep you busy. Yeah. So since the age of about 12, 13, I've been busy, like two practices a day. Summertime, I would practice literally six hours a day in the gym. Yeah. So once that was done, translating and translating all this energy into entrepreneurship, for me, working you know 10, 12 hours a day is normal. But it's not. The fact of the matter yeah. is, it's not. You know. But uh, you you plunge yourself in this normalcy, and it becomes normal. Oof, that is well said. Yeah. On my podcast, this is a segment we call Rewind, where we have you repeat exactly what you just <laughs> yeah. said. That's yeah, it. Exactly. You plunge yourself in this normalcy, and it's not. You should take care of your health. You should take care of your mental stability. You should take care of your family. Yeah. My family took a hit too, you know? So, yeah, I, I have to learn to get unbusy, if that makes so, any so, sense. So how does that, what kind of impact does that have? How does that change from you uh, you know, having this sort of lifestyle and then suddenly becoming a family man or a father. Listen, be- before I was a, before I was a father, it was easy because it's it's you and your spouse, and yeah. you know you feel like as a man you have to always compete, always win, always yeah. achieve things. So you know, to me, my self validation came in a form of making a lot of money. So that was easy because the the busier you are in business, if you're because some people are good at looking busy, yeah. but if you are busy and actually productive, it's gonna. The byproduct of that is usually uh, coin. It's it's usually money. Yeah. So, uh, at a very young age, I was making good living, and and you're chasing something that the the older I grow, not now I'm older, it doesn't feel as you know as uh, I don't feel validated anymore by just making money. Like yeah. I I try to focus now on impact and having positive influence in my ecosystem, 
and money comes as a byproduct of that yeah. now. So I wish I would have known that a long time ago. Though. Yeah. Yeah. It would have helped you maybe with uh, creating the balance. I mean, how do you how, how do you create that balance though with your family life and what you're doing? All right. And I'm asking because I I don't I don't know exactly what you're going through or what your schedule looks like, but you know when when you're working in politics, there is no schedule. Like if you go to a job interview to work, hmm, you know, sure. in politics, and you're asking, so what's the schedule what's the, like? You're done. You're not getting the job. <laughs> you're, you're not getting the you're job. Not, you know, this so is the first is, and there's no such thing. thing as a schedule. So there's a lot of sacrifice, and everyone around you kind of has to live with it. Yeah, yeah. I see. I it's funny because I was never into politics, yeah. never until recently, yeah. and uh, I learned my lesson. Uh, but you know what? I found it. A, I found it was an amazing world because yeah. you guys are. All you guys and gals uh, and women and ladies and all that, everybody, uh, you guys are all entrepreneurs in a sense, in a sense that you're all trying to achieve something contrary to, let's say, something, working a nine to five, you know, like you just said, I work a nine to five, I clock out, there's tons of jobs that pay very well mm -hmm. where you could just clock out of five and you're yeah, done. Yeah. But I found that a lot of people in politics, for some reason, even after five, you guys stay immersed in this, you care, you, you, you have follow no, through, you, you follow up. You have no choice. You have no choice. And I said that in an earlier podcast, you know, the, the main purpose that we have, as soon as you get elected, the main objective is yeah. to get reelected. Sadly enough, so my what, father used to say. No, but that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> I'll say the job of politicians is to get reelected. Yeah, but essentially it comes down to that. Now, what you do in that span of time between the time that you got elected and yeah. the time that you want to get reelected, well, there's a lot of development. There's a lot of good stuff that comes out. And yeah. oftentimes people don't see that. Yeah. You know? uh, they look at, you know, oh, you know, you're just around, oh, is it four years now? Oh, yeah, it's election time. <laughs> time. So, yeah, yeah, it's the standard uh, so reaction true. that we get. Uh, but yeah, you know, you're right. There's a lot of stuff going on and uh, there's, you know, your standard nine to five, you, you, you check in the office and then after five, you have a bunch of events and then the, you know, representations and preparations. It, it just never ends. That's but it's crazy. cool though, because at least, you know, the way I felt about it is that if you're in it and you like what you're doing and you feel that you're contributing, um, you don't really mind. And it's weird kind of to say that now in retrospect where yeah. I'm out of it. Yeah. And it's weird because like at 10.30 in the morning, I'm giving a bath to my daughters. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why, why are you giving a bath at 10? Because you know, that's what I want, you know? That's it. Um, and uh, it's just strange that you just get adapted to that kind of lifestyle. That's yeah. why I was wondering in your case, I mean, you know, you're so used to the to the hustle yeah. and to, to running around all, all the time. And, and, you know, in the back of your mind, you have those little voices, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, yeah. And it's true. Like, uh, you, you, sometimes I, I'm going, I'm going, I'm hustling, I'm hustling. And now less, but it used to be that I was like, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Like w w what for? And, and I find that the older I get, I used to focus, like I said, a lot on, uh, making money. And, and now that I'm able to, to look back, it was all ego driven. It's very, very, it was an ego driven kind of, uh, mindset. Now I'm, I'm a lot more focused on wealth and not wealth monetary, but knowledge mm -hmm. you know i'm passionate about teaching i'm passionate about sharing i'm passionate about creating stuff and that feels more gratifying mm -hmm. but the impact it took on my family to go back to your initial question george is uh, i almost got a divorce you know mm -hmm. what i mean like a serious like part you know uh, separation taking time apart uh, i have three kids so uh, to be able to take a step back and say Hey, I'm not gonna reinvent the wheel. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and my kids, you know, are are two, four, and six. Give a big shout out to Shiloh, Zara, mm -hmm. and and Adele. And 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 am I gonna look back and say, hey, I got them the best bags, best shoes, best everything? Or you know, you I the, spent more time. I had yeah, memories. Were and, you the best dad? Yeah. And for kids, the way you show a kid that you love them is by spending time. My father, my father, my father, and mother had ten kids, and they're right. The, the currency for kids, the currency of love. Is, is is time. Yeah. So if you spend time, that's why if you ever see, let's say you have a, a brother or a sister, if they spend a lot of time with your kid, playing with them, whatever, you're gonna say, hey, I like Uncle Terry. I don't like Uncle uh, Jasmine. I like this one. I like that one. I don't like this one. And, and, and if you take a step back, it always has to do with how much time do they spend with the kids. And that's the way you show love for kids, especially before the age of 10 and beyond. If you spend time with them, talk to them, play with them, that's all they really care but about. But that's also what they what they end up remembering. Of like course. when you look back at you know your time growing up, you probably don't remember what kind of shoes your dad bought you so or the true. clothes or whatever. So but true. you remember the outing or the field 100%. trip or whatever. The memories. Yeah. yeah. It's all about memories, brother. Uh, Speaking of which, yeah. 
I'm going to return this on you. Yeah. What's your best memory of, of politics? There's a lot. No. no, no give me is. your best one. Look. Your best one. My, give me one best memory you have of politics. It, it, I'm going to regroup everything into one. And for me, the best part about working in politics is the relationships that we had created. Um, because, you know, 11 years. Um, but you're cheating, George. Uh, I want the best moment. Because you just touched on something so crucial. You said you're not going to remember what your dad bought you and you're right. Yeah. And I just thought of a moment, as you said that, I thought of a moment that I spent with my father. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the best moment for you that you remember? Your memory, like, boom. If I could go back to this election night, yeah. we won, we got elected. Look, for what? sure the elections, uh, they're, they're memorable. Uh, for me, on uh, and I'm being honest with you, yeah, and, yeah. and I know it's very general, Yeah. but that's what I think had me hooked to politics, the the general aspect of it, the, the long term, the in the long run, where are we going to, where are we going to be? What will will we have achieved? Hmm. How many relationships will we have created? That for me was fundamental. Um, you know, the victories and all that stuff, obviously it's fun. You don't like losing. Yeah. I mean, I just lost an election uh, and it sucks, but you learn to deal with it, right? Because that's the nature of the game. Um, but honestly, I think the best part about politics is when you look back at what you have achieved and uh, the people that helped you, uh, you know, Achieve, achieve that. all that and help you bring all that stuff to fruition. Um, again, we I was talking, I had the Haru Chatillion, who now he's in charge of the REM. Yeah. Um, and he was in Montreal, and we had a long conversation about politics, and he said the same thing. Uh, we were talking about how long things take in politics. Big time. And yet, when you're working in politics, it, <laughs> it goes feels fast. like everything is high speed. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird, crazy world. And entrepreneurship is the same. Yeah. You're like, you know what? Um, I want to build a modern media company and influence. Yeah. You're not going to have that tomorrow. No. Exactly. Right. And then you're like, I see the vision. I know I can get there. It's just going to take some time and talent and a good team. And and then two years later, I'm here and I'm like, okay, whoa, we've done nine conferences. Malala, Gary V, Grant Cardone. I met all these amazing people. And I'm like, where did time go? Mm -hmm. I, I genuinely feel like I started it. Literally last month mm -hmm. and two years later. But that's a good thing though. Oh, it's a great thing. A that means thing. I'm enjoying myself. Exactly. And in real estate, for having done this for 17 years of my life, I didn't feel like that. Yeah. You know, real estate is a, is, is a very, once again, ego-driven uh, sum game. It's, it's, a, it's a, you have a nice car because the same way uh, a carpenter needs a hammer, you need a nice car because mm -hmm. you can't show up, you know, yeah. the clients. So it's a lot of like, uh, look at me, a lot, lot of, of ego, a lot of fluff. It's it's sad, but it's it's uh, there, there's not a lot of uh, education required to get in real estate. So the um, the barrier of entry is very low. Mm -hmm. So it attracts a lot of people that are just after money, that are very um, primal in mm -hmm. their in their research for self fulfillment. But those that have that want to have impact, those that that have a bit more knowledge driven kind of goals, you see it. They do very well in real estate. They mm -hmm. shine. They rise above the crowd. You know. So uh, yeah, that I thought I, I thought that like I used to tell everybody whenever I do interviews is for me. Uh, I could have sold anything. You know what I mean? I, I genuinely feel growing up in the neighborhoods I grew up in, <coughs> I could have sold drugs. Uh, <clears throat> I could have sold human beings. I could have sold yeah. anything. But I decided to go after something that was legal. I did very well at it. I could have sold pharmaceutical. You know, I could have been any kind of salesman. Mm -hmm. Real estate was just a passion that I developed because I am genuinely passionate about real estate. Yeah. So when I create content on real estate, you're like, oh, you're so good at it. It's just because I'm passionate yeah. about it. You know what I mean? I want to talk about what you're doing now because there's a lot of significant things that are that are coming out of uh, your involvement. Uh, but there's something I, I really need to get out of my chest. And, you know, we spoke a little bit about in the beginning. Yeah. And it's your – well, I don't know how – involved you still are in politics but um there was a short passage there that ended with a sour notes unfortunately um and it just bugged me man yeah it, and you know i sent you a message and a very I, nice message I, I you know i didn't know you honestly we're, we're meeting today for the first time and it's <laughs> Physically crazy meeting for the first time yeah you know it's <laughs> it, it's crazy how social media i guess has this sort of impact oh, where you're following someone for a long time. time and you feel like you know your best you know buddies them. basically <laughs> and because i've been following you for so long i i caught on almost immediately when when you started collaborating with Dominique, 
Dominique Anglade. For those who don't know, Dominique Anglade is a, is a, is a politician who's seeking the leadership of the Liberal Party in Quebec. And I, I kind of saw that automatically. As soon as the elections were over on October, November, she started mm. posting some stuff. And I'm like, there's professionals behind this. You know what I mean? There's something going on. You know, <laughs> no pun intended to her staffers. Yeah, I know yeah, them yeah. all. They're great people. But it Amazing just, people. Yeah. So I, I just looked better. And, you know, then I start, I saw that she was liking your post. You were liking hers. And I clicked right away. I'm like, okay, he's helping her out. That's fantastic. And because I would follow you, I knew that you and everything that you posted, everything that you did online, you're always above that discourse, you know, that politics, yeah. uh, you know, the noise. Don't get involved. And you always said it too. You're like, look, rise above the noise. Just, you know, yep. do what you have to do. Uh, show up. Uh, and then you started. And, and I don't know, for some reason, just because I felt like I knew you. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, oh, I need to, uh, this guy. I, I just feel like I need to give this guy some advice. I just hope he's there. Just stay in the background. Do your work. Yeah. Because I, I felt like I knew you and that you were that kind of person that mm -hmm. would take whatever you're involved in and magnify it because yep. you have that platform. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh man, I just hope he doesn't get sucked in. Not for the bad reasons. I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. good for people to get involved and to, to be engaged in politics. Um, I just thought that something, I, I don't know, I, there was this bad feeling. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I believe Saw in that. It coming. <laughs> you know, and I, I almost feel bad. And when, and when you posted that rant about the newspaper article and I was like, God damn, fuck, you know, like, wh why is this shit happening? And the thing is that, and this is what frustrated me. Because that article was on you, but it wasn't about you. And Correct. it's important to distinguish these yeah. things, right? Um, and automatically, all these reflexes started coming back mm. from my time in politics. And I'm mm. like, someone laid a stumbling block here. You know, this is an inside job. And it's unfortunate that you became that... Um, Uh, scapegoat. That's the scapegoat because the papers don't care about you. They don't care. If they if they if they gave a shit about you, they would have written about what you do, what you've done, the Correct. conferences, all the con long time ago. Yeah. So they don't know you. They nope. don't know what you do. Nope. Uh, they just got a piece of information and they thought, hmm, yeah, this is of public interest. Mm -hmm. Let's create a reaction to the camp of Dominic Anglade. That's the whole purpose of it. Mm. And you just ended up getting hurt mm. um, in the process. And that Makes bugged sense. me. It bugged me so much. And of course, I, I can't guarantee that it was an inside job, but it just feels like it because that's just my natural reflex of analyzing these situations. Mm. Either someone in her camp didn't like you, you're getting too much attention or you're getting too close and then like something has to happen or someone from an opposing camp, which doesn't exist now because she's the only one, but eventually, or maybe someone is getting prepared, they're like, we need to cause some damage here. Mm. And of course it didn't cause anything because like any news coming out in summertime it lasts maybe 10 hours and then it dies mm. but it affected you because this is a collaboration that i saw that you were very passionate about listen i you know i i have no clue where it came from or inside job or not well, everything you're saying you're, you're more knowledgeable than me so uh makes a lot of sense if i take a step back uh, i there's one thing that i know dominique anglade is a great human being mm -hmm. that's the first thing great person great human being um i i wanted to to help somebody uh that was uh, a woman mm -hmm. that that was uh, diverse as well um you know i i i did not know politics was you know that kind oh, of geez, uh, i had no clue so i learned the hard way but you know what a lot of people reached out they asked me hey terry do you want to get i i never wanted to mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm not a i'm not a politician i don't want to be a politician But I, I, I genuinely believe the older I get, I have two daughters. You know, I, I, I want to know. You will have an interest. Yeah, but it, and you know you what, will, George? No matter what. I'm, I, active citizenship. I remember three years ago, I went and I heard Barack Obama mm -hmm. speak in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And he said, and I thought that was so powerful. I quoted him the whole time on Twitter. I was like a Twitter machine. I was like, I never go on Twitter. It's not my platform. But I was like, no, I need to, re I need to register this. This is too amazing. And he said... Uh, Sophie Brochu, who's at the head of Gas Metro, asked them one specific question. She said, what is going to be, what are you going to do? What do you want to be remembered for? And he said something that stayed with me. He said, now that I'm no longer at the highest office in America, I want my life, for the rest of my life, to be dedicated to active citizenship. Mm -hmm. George, it hit me so hard. Yeah, yeah. I was like, A, what's active citizenship? Yeah, yeah. B, that's an amazing term. C, how do I become an active citizen? And then slowly but surely, I was like, you know what? It's not about picking camp. I'm not left. I'm not right. I'm forward. Mm -hmm. You know, like right now we have, for example, uh, the LACAC, right, is in power. François Legault. 
I want I want Lacan to do well. Mm -hmm. I want François Legault to do well. Mm -hmm. I want Quebec to do well. Yeah. I'm a Quebecer. I was born here. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm of diversity. Uh, and and to me, when I saw Dominique and I started to to, to hear her speak and her, I was like, and I want her to do well. Yeah. You know, I want her to to make history potentially. And if I could help her with what I'm good at, which is leveraging my platform mm -hmm. and and helping her with her social media. Then God bless that. But, you know? but that's what I loved. And, you know, when, when I kind of saw this happening, I'm like, this is going to be amazing. And I was following her uh, and you just to see the content. Just, yeah. just that, just to see the progress. The shift. You know what I mean? Um, and then that happened and it just sucked. You know, honestly, it just brought me back to all these sour moments that I lived in politics too and that are there. And I, I remember sending the message. I'm like, look, man, I know it sucks that I'm going to say this. That was a beautiful but, message you sent me. But it's normal and it shouldn't be, but... That's part of the, and you know what, George, your message helped me tremendously because oh. it helped me kind of take a step back and, and uh, in French we say <clears throat> relativiser, yeah. kind of take a step back, take a look. And, and people don't realize that, right? But when the first article came out, because I don't want to dwell on this no, no, too no. much because it, it, now it's, it, like you said, it's, it's pretty much over. But I got contacted by four different newspapers from Quebec City. I've been in business for 20 years. I never cared. I've paid kids to read books. I've yeah. donated 200,000 last year for kids to come and watch Malala. I've done so many great things in my life. I've only had great articles in my life. And the first time in my life I have a bad article was the time I'm trying to be an active citizen, right? And again, and, it's and, not about you. But hold on, yeah. George, to your point, yeah. what I'm realizing is this guy just wants to write an article. But what he didn't, I, see, I guess, see coming is right after his article, Four different people contacted me that are also, I guess, journalists yeah, or yeah. whatever. And one of them, which was not the guy from Journal de Montréal, contacts me and starts by asking, what nationality are you? And that got me so mad. Mm -hmm. I went on and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to use my platform to, to, to say what I need to say. Yeah. And, and I did. And to a certain, certain, certain extent, uh, maybe I was a bit emotional about mm -hmm. my answer. But I meant every word yeah. I said. You know, I meant every word I said. And one article written, maybe he had good intention, maybe he had bad intention by, by the, uh, the newspaper, uh, by that one journalist, trickled down to me getting contacted by people maybe with bad intentions. But it's always you like that. You know what that. I mean? It's always like so that. Th that was very infuriating. But now, to me, to be honest with you, I genuinely believe that I'm back on track with my purpose and I'm more careful. But that's what, you know, that, 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 that's what you have to do. I mean, and I just felt like you need to hear it. You know, I'm like, look, just forget about it. it it'll die out. Just keep doing what you're doing. And, mm. you know, it, it just sucked because that happened to you. And you're the kind of person that with a platform you have and the attention that you garner, um, you could bring a lot of attention to engagement in politics, which is something that I think we feel that mm. personally in the 11 years that I was there. Yep. If you asked me, you know, what did you guys fail at is to engage more youth, for example, in politics. Amazing we, to we, hear you say that. No, no, but we, Amazing we, we completely failed that. at it. You know what I mean? And I can recognize it. And it's like, we tried so hard and we just didn't. Maybe it was us. We had approached it differently. But, and then when, when you have like quote unquote influencers, and we're going to talk about that later, getting involved this way, um, it made me feel good. It made me feel good. I'm Amazing. like, okay, look at that, man. The, we got these people on board. Okay. okay where can we go from gotcha. here? So like, this whole experience for you, like, did it leave like a sour, you know, oh, like, yeah. like a sour taste a little bit in terms of your engagement or your yeah. involvement? Yeah, because, uh, you know, one part to be a, one thing that I've learned and, you know, um, I've, I've had the blessings to work with tremendous organization and the Obama uh, Foundation um, started pilots that I'm trying to mimic in certain ways and, and trying to get closer to them as well. Uh, active citizenship is also uh, an act of economic uh, contribution. Because when you are economically involved as an entrepreneur, for example, and you're focused on creating wealth, knowledge, again, not just money, wealth in its purest of form, like you said, eventually you're bound to kind of mix with politics. And look at Quebec Solidaire. I think, I think to your point, and I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that as somebody that worked for 11 years in politics with the liberals, they've done an amazing job of reaching the youth. And kind yeah. of like resonating with it's, them, but it's, right? But it's also a grassroots movement, right? correct? So it's organic. And, yeah, and it's uh, they're very populist in their ideology. Yeah, yeah, and that's where it comes, and it's a huge momentum. But it engages the youth. Yeah, guaranteed. and at the end of the day, we, we can say, you know, oh yeah, but they're dreaming or they're populist. Yeah, that's besides the point. That's I, I get what you're saying. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So when I'm hearing you say, who's a veteran of this 
space called politics say, hey, I was happy to see more diversity and young people getting involved and people that have influence and that understand digital media and that understand the realities of the platforms we're living mm -hmm. on, right? Uh, you're right, you know? And, and, and I get why traditional newspapers feel a bit threatened also, maybe by people that are comfortable well, navigating these well, digital spaces. Because you said it, I mean, social media is, it's the media now. There's no such thing. I mean, and they're suffering. The uh, world the, said it. It's a, I'm just confirming well, what everybody know. knows. But you the know? traditional media is suffering and we've known that for a long time. You but, know? But look at this now. You're proof of it. Like <laughs> 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you could have never done this. No. It's impossible. No. It would have cost you too much money. I, you could not have had distribution. I remember because I got in 2007 and you know, social media was In just what, getting, politics? yeah, it was just getting started. Yeah. And I remember we were having this huge debate at the office on whether or not we should start a, pace, a Facebook page. <laughs> and we didn't really understand Imagine it. That. We're like, okay, we represent, do we do it? <laughs> yeah, we're like, we represent Park X, Villery. I mean, Park X, do people even have computers? Like who's on, who's on Facebook really? Yeah, so, yeah. and we put it aside for several months. And we're like, no, no, that. we got to do it. We got to do, do it. And we were, I think one of the first ones uh, to, to get on the platform. And of course I had no idea what we were doing, but um, it's, evolved oh, immensely it's listen what social media has done is it's given a voice to the voiceless mm -hmm. point blank period yeah right now you could be in compton you could be in ethiopia you could be in south america you could be anywhere in the world if you have a, a wireless connection you have a phone you don't even need a mic yeah. you got an amazing setup yeah you could have a podcast yeah, yeah. you could have your voice heard in japan yeah. you could have your voice heard across the globe by this thing called social media and this is frustrating the gatekeepers of traditional media because traditional media used to be this enterprise where oh you want to show george you have to audition you have to do a pilot and if we don't like it eh, you're off now you're able to say, they told me, no, I'm turning around, I'm doing it. And it's also, I think, the problem they have of adapting to these new realities. I have a good friend, his name is Big Nectar, time. and he's like a whiz on social, um, uh, on uh, internet marketing and all these things. Um, and I had him actually on the podcast, and he was telling me that one of the industries that will suffer or is actually suffering already is the traditional medium. They, they, they just have a hard time adapting. You can't compete with the Googles and the Facebooks of this world. And, you know, nobody knows exactly where they're going to end up. Uh, but they pivoted well, because if you look at the comment, uh, they, they commoditized news. Mm -hmm. Now news has become entertainment. It, it, news is now opinion driven. Mm -hmm. It is not uh, fact checked. It's not necessarily. It's like I have an opinion. I'm going to look at a couple of facts and then I'm going to come out. I with find an that is so bad. Though. No, it is bad. I'm not saying it's good. Yeah. What I'm saying is news has found, and CNN is at the head of this. They found a way to pivot. Mm -hmm. They found a way to say, "Hey, you know what? Traditional media is dying. How do we pivot?" And yeah, eyeballs yeah. are on news. That's why now you you used to have like the Walter Conkright, those those good old fashioned mm -hmm. journalists, Barbara Walters. Dan Rather. Dan yeah. Rather. You had to check in at a specific time yeah. to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Now you got 24-7 news. Yeah. You check my uncle will put the news on all day. Yeah. And just like read his newspaper, drink coffee, get on a couple of all day. Yeah. That, that's something you didn't have 15, 20 yeah. years ago. There's a lot more access to information, but with that off, obviously comes a lot of access to garbage. Correct. Also. Correct. And that's dangerous. Clickbaiting, uh, yeah. garbage, fake news, whatever you want to call it. And nowadays, I'm sorry, everybody's a journalist. If you're in uproar and you have an opinion, you go on Twitter, you do a tweet, you 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 do a proper hashtag or you piggyback on somebody's account, you'll have 2,000 uh, retweets and next thing you know, you're you're a journalist. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... Um Tell me a little bit about the transition from going, you know, from real estate to becoming a creative. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I don't think I was ever a real estate guy as much as I've always been a creative. Like from what I remember when I was a kid at the age of five, my mom got a, a message from our my uh, kindergarten teacher. I would draw uh I would draw, I, I would pencil things and I would draw them and I would sell them for five cents. Mm -hmm. And my mom, the, 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 the principal of the school said, Terry can't do that. My mom said, why? Why can't he do that? Yeah. If, if he's drawn good enough and then there's kids willing to pay it, yeah, <laughs> but we don't want him to do it. So like, okay, so say you don't want him to do it. Yeah. Tell him he can't do yeah, that, yeah. right? So uh, I was always a creative. I was always drawing, thinking of things. I wanted to be an architect growing up. And I genuinely believe that creativity is at the core of any success, anybody that's successful. And look at what's happening now with AI in our economy. We're going from the industrial revolution. We're going into a knowledge-driven 
uh, innovation-driven economy. And, and, and I'm telling you, mark my words, we said it on your podcast, the Backdates Podcast with George. If you want to have a future in our economy and, and a good future, focus on being a creative person. Yeah. Point blank, period. Because everything else will be replaced. Everything else is going to get automized. AI is going to take. The one thing AI won't be able to do is to, to cop, they'll be able to mimic Socrates, but they won't be able to be Socrates. Yeah. AI, we're not even close to this, will not be able to create amazing pieces like Picasso. It'll be able, once again, to mimic it, yeah. but it won't be able to create human emotions and so on and so forth. So creativity, even coding, for example. I gave a conference a month ago. And uh, last year at Black Tech Matters in Washington, coding or STEM workers are, are irrelevant. What's, what's relevant is STEM creators. Yeah. You should not focus on being in the STEM industry just to be a STEM worker. You should be in the STEM industry to be a STEM creators. And the best coders are the ones that are creative. The best programmers are the ones that are creative. Yeah. The best entrepreneurs are the ones that are creative. The best politicians are the creative ones. Yeah. Black period. So if we go back to being creative as human being, I believe you get more fulfilled, might make less money, but in the long run, run it'll pay off. Yeah. It'll definitely pay off. It was, it, well, then I guess that transition for you was easy to say, look, I'm, this is where I'm headed now. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I'm a creative doing real estate yeah. and I happen to get paid. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to make you a nice pitch on how I can sell your house. I'm going to make sure it's creative. Yeah. I'm going to show you how creative I am at selling it online. I'm going to create a video that is nicer than just these boring videos. And instead of going on Facebook and saying, hey, I sold your house, I'm going to do like uh, an open house with uh, ice cream trucks. And I'm going to invite families because yeah. I'm going to stay creative in the process of selling your home. Yeah. So I think that's been my strength. And whatever... Uh, field I was to get in, I would make sure to bring a touch of creativity. So, so tell me about your. Uh, you have a creative agency now. It's called Influence Orbis. Uh, what's the purpose? What, what do you guys do? Influence Orbis. We create platforms. We cr we literally create platform, create content, distribute content, and strategize around the content. But the real strength of Influence Orbis is our our baby, which is called Influence Orb, which is a subsidiary of Influence Orbis. And Influence Orb is a modern media company. We're, uh, think of uh, MTL blog, but for diversity and inclusion, tech, uh, money, uh, entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're tackling everything that has to do uh, with what I think is going to be relevant in the next five to 10 years. So, so what's, the, what's the, the ultimate goal over here? You want to be that go-to person or go-to company when people think of branding or uh, social marketing or digital uh, marketing? Very good question. Anytime somebody wants to either create content distribute content or strategize around their, their content, Influence Orbis is going to be the platform. And anytime you want to get concrete, creative news in a very unbiased way, with fact-checking, um, innovative way to produce news, you're going to want to think of Influence Orb. And that's why to us, Orbis and Orb uh, are are kind of one in the same company mm -hmm. because ultimately as a modern media company, we are known for our conferences because that's still content. It's mm -hmm. what's called live content. Yeah. But uh, we produce mobile apps, websites, branding, companies we can name, companies we don't name, mm -hmm. companies we're proud to associate ourselves with, companies we have signed agreement not to promote and talk about. So uh, yeah, we, 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 <coughs> we're proud of what we produce, the work we do. Uh, we dabbled into politics. Now we no longer do politics. We're definitely staying away <laughs> from creating content and platforms for, for people in politics or managing their social media. No, but you can still do it. Uh, no, we're not doing it. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a business corporate decision, and I made, I made that decision. We're, we're, we're going to stay away from it. <laughs> see, for me, see, see for Sadly, me, that's but, too bad. Yeah. You know, it, it's just too bad. Yeah, because I think, I, you know what? I, I think we did a great job, and I'm proud of every single piece of content we created and managed uh, uh, for, for, for Dominique, and I wish her luck. I think her and her, her team is fire. Mm -hmm. They're just a great bunch mm -hmm. of people. And, 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 you know, she has the same, I feel, energy and essence as a, an AOC or Kamala Harris. You just want to help her. You mm -hmm. want to be around her. Mm -hmm. and, I, and it would be cool to, to make history, you know, a woman at the head of a 150-year-old party that never had a woman. Uh, yeah. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're in 2019. So, no, we're, we're proud of the content. But you're right. You know, if, 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 that, if that article, you know, it doesn't come out, Maybe we're still doing it. Maybe yeah. we're still helping other uh, other people. Because in, younger, my, in my opinion, younger, even in my opinion, even that it's not an industry, but even that um, it is an industry. <laughs> yeah, you know, even even that sector, if you want, is drifting towards 
social media and a lot of has content. To. It has to. Period. Look, look at the last five big elections around the world. Okay, Macron elected because of social media presence. Obama elected because of social yeah, and media that was presence. All, and that was like the beginning. Eh? Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. The tipping point was Obama in 2008. 2008, we just went through a crisis. For your audience listening, think about what happened in 2008. People went through one of the biggest depression ever. And, 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 and coming out of a bad time, quote unquote, you got to think about how to do things differently. And that goes for every industry. And I think that Obama will be known and remembered, not just as a great uh, president, not just as a person of color, the, the first ever to run the United States of America, but more importantly, as the first person to say, this is, there's a shift in the way we communicate. There's a shift in the way young people vote. And we got to be present on those platforms. It was also the timing. Eh? They, they just took advantage of that time and place where all these things were happening and they just blew it up. They, they exploded. Obama is, is well documented in saying that Facebook was a crucial part of his campaign. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's admitted to it. Facebook was crucial. Uh, and and I, think, I think social media, the good part of social media, George, is it's going to inherently uh, involve millennials, but the generation I, the I generation, the Z, the next one, they're all about social media. Yeah. So if you're not on Snapchat, if you're not on Instagram, if you're not on Facebook, you are not talking to these people. Yeah. You're not talking to these kids and they don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care about newspapers. They don't care about radio. They don't care about TV. My daughter, six years old, tell her, do you want to watch TV? She's going to say no. Tell her, you want to watch YouTube? She's going to say yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's your point. Bernie Sanders has a YouTube channel. Andrew Yang has a YouTube yeah. channel. Go. I don't understand how François Legault or Philippe Couillard didn't have a YouTube channel. It's as if Quebec is always like 10 years or five years behind what everybody else, even in France, Macron, like they get it. It's, it's a bit like they... Here, everything seems to be moving slower. And it's, it's normal. It's the nature of Quebec. It's, Toronto moves a little bit faster on so many things. But you know what? We move so well on culture and food and, yeah. and the people. So we have our strength. We have our, our, our downfalls. They have their strength. They have their downfalls. But I just think that as far as this is concerned, social media, uh, we're way behind. Way behind. And that's where we come in at. Influence Orb, Orbis, we're, we're right there. You need help with that? That's right. Get at us. <laughs> Tell me about your conferences because this is still relatively new. Yep. And you've managed to 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 gain so much attention because of the you know the the the, the scale and uh, yeah the the, the big the hitters that you've yeah, brought yeah, yeah. there you know uh, you know names like Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Grant Cardone, uh, uh, Casey Neistat. You mentioned Malala. Like how do you how do you get these people when you don't <laughs> have so much under your belt? Listen, I'll, I'll tell you something. That people are always shocked, but you get them through social media. I always tell people I don't create companies, I create communities. And then creating a community that's strong, because community has a wrong connotation. When you grow up in Quebec or you grow up in a, in a kind of, uh, how can I say this? Uh, some people say we're borderline socialists, we have free healthcare and all that stuff. When you use the word community, think, people think of, of poor, you know, of yeah. oh, community. No, what I mean by community is we create a movement. So with influence, we created a movement, we created a community. And then very quickly, we got the attention of the right people. And let me, let me say something clear, because people are like, yeah, you just pay these people and they show up. I'm going to tell you something, okay? Gary doesn't need money. Grant doesn't need money. Malala is a social entrepreneur, does not need any money. These people decide where they go. Yeah. They, if they don't want to speak at your event, they're not going to speak at your event. So you always want, and this is- But that's why I'm asking. I forget value. about the money, what, what you pay and what they Va- It doesn't really matter. Value yeah. driven. Do you bring me value? And if you don't bring me value, I am not speaking at your conference. And that's what influence has brought a lot to all these speakers is they see the value. And in the value that we bring them, whether it's the videos we create, the movements, the way we, we retarget people to, to make them aware of a certain message. Recently, we had Charlemagne the God on mental health. They get back and they see the content we produce. They put it on their own platforms. Yeah. And then they say, how do we work together? I want you to come in. I'm, going, I'm doing a speech this place, that place. Yeah. For us, it's just, it speaks volume to the talent that we have in our team. And our team is diverse and diversity in all its form. Generational diversity. It's young, right? Intellectual diversity. We have people that t- think right and people that think left on our in, in our company. That's power. Mm-hmm. That's strength. And we embrace that. And that's how we're able to create amazing content with whoever we work with. And that's how we get these speakers. They come in. They look at the brand. They do their homework. 
their team call us, we go back and forth, and then they say, you know what? We got to get on that influence movement. Yeah. What is something that you've taken away from these people? I mean, they're huge influencers known all Massive. over the world. <laughs> Massive. The one takeaway. Like you've sat down with them, you've spoken to them, you've exchanged, oh, you've yeah, heard yeah. them speak. What's something that you've taken away from that? Like- Listen, I'm, I'm blessed to have had the chance to have Gary as a mentor for a, a short period of time. I love I, this guy. Yeah, Gary's amazing. When I started, shout out to Gary, love you. So when I started Influence, he, he blessed us with giving us some of his time and, you know, one-on-one time with him is just a blessing, period, yeah. right? Yeah. And Gary, Grant, Casey, uh, Malala, uh, Charlemagne, Angel Rich, uh, one thing they all have in common is they love bringing value to other people. And it sounds tacky, but it is the honest-to-God truth. Mm-hmm. They are enamored. They are obsessed with making sure that they bring as much value in a concise, precise amount of time because their time is very valuable as they can. And more importantly, goes back to creation. Look at their social media. They are obsessed with creating valuable content. Mm-hmm. Obsessed. Mm-hmm. Some of them monetize it, some of them don't, but at, they, they speak their mind, they speak their opinions. Malala tries to show by example, uh, but they are obsessed with creating, creating, and creating. And that's what I would encourage anybody to do. You're watching this, you're watching George, you feel inspired, do something. Do something. You don't want to die with regrets. You're going to go back and say, man, I wish I would have done this. Look at George. No, I'm doing this. I'm not going to wait for CJD, fuck that, to call me. I'm not going to wait for, uh, you know, iHeartRadio. I'm not going to wait for anybody, Virgin. I'm going to do it. And now you have a podcast. Mm -hmm. And Gary has the best tip ever. I remember when he told me, he's like, Terry, trust me, it's going to take a long time. But 10 years from now, you're going to see. Yeah. You're going to see. Because it took him a thousand videos to get noticed. And 1,500 videos. Yeah, Yeah, 1,500 videos. 1,500. You know what I love about him? And I think it distinguishes him from everyone else out there. Uh, And, you know, I follow Grant Cardone and there's, you know, Ty Lopez and all these guys who flash their money, their jets, their cars and everything. Yeah, Gary's not like that. And he doesn't care. And you know what I love is that, especially for the younger generation that is going to be living on these platforms. It's already started. I mean, their face is stuck to the phone. Yeah. They look at all these people, and whether you like it or not, they're gonna get influenced by uh, by what what they see. Monkey see, monkey do. Exactly. So when you're looking at, you know, like Grant Cardone, and you know, good for them, they earned their money and they can do whatever they want with it. But what I love about Gary Vaynerchuk is that one, he's very real, and he's like, listen, the big jets, time. the big decks of money, and all that stuff, that's fluff. Put that aside. And like, you actually see him. You know, it's the the blood, sweat, and tears kind of guy. Yeah. And he loves it. Yeah. And I love that about him because the people that are looking at this uh, on their, you know, on whatever platform, they get to see what what is really hidden behind the success yeah. or the progress. You know, it's not just, you know, your private jet because it's, I think it's a problem that the younger generation is going to have. They're going to look at all these things and be like, that's what I want to do. But they don't necessarily understand that in order to get there. Yeah, there's all the, these obstacles. Well, you know? Grant Cardone, you're talking about Gary, but uh, Gary, it's 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 a big part of Gary's um, brand. Is he talks about it all the time? His father. He gets emotional when he talks about his father. Yeah. Gary was brought up in a very very like you know minimalist kind of way, mm-hmm. right? And uh, his company, his father's company, had great success, but he still stayed very humble. But to to to, to go back to Gary versus, let's say. Not versus, because I hate that. Because a lot of people ask me about this, but Gary Orr, let's call it <laughs> that, Grant Cardone. I think people have to remember that those people are brands. When you get to a certain level, you are no longer Grant Cardone, the human being. You're yeah. no longer Gary V, the human being. You are a brand. So you might as well put INC at the end of your name, and that's it. So I like to say Gary is like a Nike. Nike's organic. They support Colin Kaepernick. They say, you know what? We support Serena. Tiger Woods, everybody's dropping him. No, we're staying with Tiger, even though he's going through his struggles. Whereas Grant is like Louis Vuitton. Doesn't make one good or one bad. It just means that Grant Cardone's brand is more about look at my jet, look at what I've done. But let me tell you something. You're going to get value. Get Grant Cardone as a mentor for one week. If you don't do better financially and even emotionally, because with everything that he's doing, He's still able to maintain this kind of family life. He, he, he didn't. He, he didn't inherit either. Right? No, <laughs> Grant was a drug addict. Yeah. Grant had some serious problems, right? Yeah. And he was flying under the radar. He was a nobody almost for a good 
10, 15 years, and the next thing you know, social media happens, yeah. and then he takes advantage of it. So for me, I don't think there's one good or bad, but as young people maybe watching this podcast or that would potentially, if, 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 if it's an older crowd that you have demographic, if you want to tell an advice to your kid, tell them that. Grant Cardone is a brand. The brand you see on social media, that's Grant Cardone, Inc. He has to show the cars, and the, that's part of the brand. And the brand is not what you say it is, like they say. It's what they say it is. So if people are saying Grant Cardone's the king of salesmen, and he's rich, and he's got a jet, well, Grant has to give him that, mm -hmm. period. It's part of the brand. Louis Vuitton is selling $1,500, $2,000 shoes. They got to keep doing that, right? Gary, on the other hand, that's not part of his brand. Yeah. Gary's known for being the real, the hustle, he curses. He talked about it recently. If I wouldn't curse, I would have 10 million followers. You're damn right you would. Yeah. He decides to drop the F-bomb. So guess what? Some parents are like, nope, you don't want, I don't want you to listen to this, <laughs> right? But he's, he, it's, it's him. It's real. It's who he exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, the big difference between both is I'd say Gary's brand is actually who he is as well. Yeah. Whereas Grant, when you, when you are personal with him, he, he, not that he's putting on a show, but he's a he's, he's a normal guy. Yeah, yeah. Grant is also a normal guy, but yeah. he has a brand. He has yeah. a company to run, yeah. and and at the end of the day, it's different strokes for different folks. Tell me about entrepreneurship because you talk a lot a lot about it um, yeah. in your posts. You're passionate, obviously, about Big it. Um, why is this important for you? Why is entrepreneurship something that you you stick your guns at? You know, and I'm gonna tell you something. I I don't care if I'm remembered as you know the king of real estate or the king. One thing I would love to be remembered as is somebody that pushed entrepreneurship in people that had never known what it was. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's marginalized community specifically because I think and I feel entrepreneurship is the ultimate equalizer. If you talk about social mobility, my parents are immigrants, I guess yours yeah. as well. You're Greek. Greek, my guy, love your food. <laughs> At the end of the day, our parents come here, they go apply for jobs, they get denied. They get denied nine to fives, why? Because it's just what happened. I don't want to get into racism mm -hmm, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. We all know it exists. And guess what? The Greek community said, all right, you want to give us jobs? We're going to create our own. They start to get involved heavily in the restaurant industry. And they dominate that industry. My father was born in Haiti, grew up in Chicago. In Quebec, they got heavily involved in the taxi industry, right? They created their own opportunities. Charlemagne the God talked about this. Create your own luck, create your own opportunity. And I feel entrepreneurship is just that. It's the ability to create your own luck. It's the ability to be economically emancipated and to also be knowledge and educated mm -hmm. in your own field. Yeah. By making mistakes, by going through trials, by going through tribulation, you're able to get out and say, hey, now I have an expertise that nobody gave me. I got it. I went and I took it. So entrepreneurship is super important to me and I think to anybody that is from any marginalized community, whether it's women, LGBTQ, First Nation, Greek people, Italian people, because at the end of the day, it's the ultimate equalizer. You don't have to wait for somebody to give you anything. You could create it. And it's a meritocracy game. It is not an oligarchy or a hierarchical kind of a system where you know the right person in politics. Well, I'll get you in politics. Yeah. I'll get you elected. I'm at this big firm in downtown Montreal well I'll get you a job this is meritocracy if I'm good I will uh, get paid and I will be yeah. uh, but look obviously it's not for rich. everyone right I mean some people are you don't think so I, George I'm sorry to cut you off on this one no no but it's fine that's why you know because I love this I, I, this. I feel like there's certain people that are you know, there to do the nine to five thing and maybe no. they like it, maybe they enjoy it. Cause some people do, like you said before, they love checking in at five and that's it. See you later. Zero responsibilities. Like what do you tell a kid coming out of high school or going into CGIP or coming out of CGIP or starting university that, you know, that period where everyone is completely messed up. Like lost. Uh, yeah. I lost me. I would tell him, um, you have, you have certain obligation in life. F first one. And Casey Neistat said it best. He says, you want to find your passion. You want to do everything in your humanly possible uh, capability to fulfill that passion. And it sounds super tacky, mm -hmm. right? But I'll tell you something. If you do the math as an entrepreneur, if you make $45,000 a year and you have a social security number, because you do if you work a nine to five, mm -hmm. your paycheck is about a thousand bucks every two weeks yeah. net. Yeah. And you still get taxed at the end of the year, right? But if you're an entrepreneur and you're like, you know what? I'm passionate about drawing. And now there's things like Etsy. There's things, there's, there's platforms for everything. And you just say, you know what? I'm going to stay home. I'm going to take a class on YouTube like you did for podcasting. And I'm going to learn how to do dropshipping or Amazon. And I'm going to just create stuff. 
I might make $20,000 a year, but if you take a step back, that's about two, 300 bucks less every two weeks than you would make in a nine to five working for somebody else and yeah. wanting to kill yourself, yeah. right? So if you look at the data, they're clear. <laughs> that's why I'm saying I don't agree with the fact that entrepreneurship is not for everybody. What is not for everybody is risk. Yeah. There's people that take risk and there's people that work for the people that take risk. My yeah. father always told me that. And entrepreneurs tend to be a lot more risk, uh, not avert, like they're, they're, they're more comfortable dwelling in risk. And I know that I am. And it's not for everybody. Risk is not for everybody. But entrepreneurship, meaning the ability to find a passion, find a niche or market and capitalize on that, that's in everybody's, everybody's DNA. The proof is if you work at the RBC tomorrow, you have, maybe not, you're not passionate about banking, but you have a certain set of skill sets. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you know what? They're going to pay me 45, 50K to do that. I'll do that. What if you got out of this and said, I'll be a consultant instead? Mm -hmm. But the fear of taking that risk yeah. is what stops people from taking the jump into Because you're also stuck in some comfort, right? You have your mortgage, you fear. have your payment. It's always about fear. Yeah. It's always about fear. Comfort uh, is also another term to say fear of, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Today, uh, you're comfortable doing what you're doing. Uh, well, it's probably because of the fear of something else. And, and, and to me... Uh, I'm not fearless. I'm, I have, I'm very scared of a lot of things, but my biggest fear is dying with regret. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen old people die. You go on their bed and they're like, oh my God, I wish, I wish, I wish. And there was a study done about this. Like they asked 90, uh, a thousand people that were above 90 years old on their deathbed, what, what, what is the one thing if you could go back in time? And, and they said, well, I wouldn't go back and change anything I did. I would go back and do things I didn't do. Yeah. Imagine that. And who am I at my age as a millennial to go against people that have like three times my living and that's saying, I don't want to die with regret. So yeah. the one thing I would tell people, and once again, the data are clear. If you look at the, there's a report called the Deloitte report on um, uh, the I generation, generation Z and millennials. And they do it, I think every 10 years or eight years. And the last one just came out. Do you know what's the number one job that the I generation wants to do? So between the age of eight, no, between the age of six years old, all the way to 22, those are the I generation. Do you know what's the number huh. one job they want to do? Number one, 31% said they want to do that. Guess. I'm guessing it's something to do with like online social media, being an influencer or some shit like that. YouTuber. YouTuber. The number one job is YouTuber. In a span of 20 years of them doing that report, it used to be finance 20 years ago. Then it shifted. They saw a shift with the millennials. The I generation wants to create. So if you look at the 31% the, the want to be YouTubers. Now, not everybody could be a YouTuber because yeah. you need certain things and certain yeah. skill sets. But what I'm excited about is A, it's a creative job because when you have a YouTube channel, you have to create content. <coughs> and B, if you look at the top 50%, one out of two of them wants to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That's just going to go more and more. There's going to be more and more people that are saying, why would I work a nine to five? Real estate, look at us today, where we work. Real estate is getting disrupted left and right. You're seeing commercial properties. Go and say Catherine. Go and say Denis. Watch how many commercial properties are empty. Yeah. Because of what? Ecom. Because of people doing online drop shipping. Yeah. And that's a reality. So I think we're going to go towards an era in the next 20 years where you're going to see tremendous amount of people that are self-employed, that are entrepreneurs. And you're going to see a lot less nine to fives. And big towers that used to hire people in downtown cores are all going to become co-working spaces. Well, there's more and more now companies uh, hiring people to... Uh, remote. Yeah. To do remote living. Remote work, working. You want, yeah. You want them to work from home, work from home. It's cheaper you know. for them. Yeah. You, you, you think RBC having a TD or whatever bank, when they have a billboard, that's what I used to call them in real estate. When they're on the ground floor, like TD Bank, for example, ground floor of De La Montagne or Nailvik. Do you know how much that space costs? Yeah. That's at least 35000 a month. Yeah. That's a billboard. That's what they call them. This is a marketing expense on top of being a branch. Nobody branches anymore. My grandmother still goes to the branch. Yeah. Kids, e-transfers. Yeah. You could transfer money on Snapchat now, Instagram, Facebook. So at the end of the day, you're going to see a lot of empty spaces in the next couple of years. And it's going to be around experiment. Brand, brands that have never gone through experimental marketing, yeah. watch. I talked about it recently. They're going to have to figure out ways for you to walk into a bank and live an experiment, have an experiment.
Just yeah, the lights just went off. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God we got the... Oh, there you go. There, it's back. <laughs> all right. Uh, we, we spoke about uh, social media and all that stuff. Uh, obviously, they've already had an impact in, in business and in general in people's lives. Big time. How do you think it has already, um, you know, or it will in the future uh, impact business? Oh, if you're not a business right now, thinking about how do I, I still laugh when I hear like, let's say on the radio or um, radio, I guess is still very relevant in the 6am to like 9am kind of time frame. People are driving to yeah. work, so on and so forth. What are you going to do when cars are going to self-drive themselves and people are just going to go and want to go to sleep, wake up and go to work, or they're going to be remote living. They're going to be at home, working from home. Yeah. They're not going to tune into radio. They're going to tune into a podcast like this one. Right. So I think that traditional businesses if, if you have any business that is doing well, and sometimes I, I consult with clients like, Terry, I'm making millions and I'm not on social media. Well, guess what? You'd make double that money if you were on social media. And sometimes people, they're a victim of their own success. They're not seeing the, like if you're at the beginning of the wave, right? Uh, you, you could ride the wave. But if you're at the end of the wave, the wave picks you up mm -hmm. and brings you back out, and throws you out. And I think a lot of businesses are not being proactive there are unfortunately going to be reactive and guess what it's going to cost them a lot of money and they're going to pay a kid mark my words yeah. in the next 10 15 20 to years get them out of trouble yep 19 year olds are going to become consultant and getting paid hundreds because of thousands it's, uh, because it's uh, what's worrying to me uh, you know for these business that you speak of um you know th th this tec these technological advances are, are are growing so quickly and for the companies like you said that don't want to adapt or they're reluctant to adapt yeah are they even, even going to have that space or the time to Ooh, even catch great, up? Great question, George. We did consulting for a company recently. The person's position is social media manager. Big firm. I'm not going to say the name. Mm -hmm. Huge company. We were teaching her how to do her job. Yeah. And I always tell that to companies, education is very expensive. If I'm paying you nine to $60,000 a year to go watch YouTube videos all day to educate yourself, so I got to pay you 60K and I got to pay Terry's company more money mm -hmm. to do that transition? Mm -hmm. No. You're better off firing that person, sadly enough, and saying, I'm just going to work with companies that know what they're doing and yeah. I'm going to get results. Yeah. And I love to tell that to my team all the time. We don't want to get paid for our time. We want to get paid for our results. Yeah. When you hire us, we're going to give you give you results, get you results. And it's whether taking a restaurant or taking uh, you know, a mortgage guy, taking anybody. If you, if you want to do good business, and you think you're doing well already, but you're not on social media, be careful. You got to be careful. Facebook is so powerful. Yeah. Facebook is so powerful. So what challenges do you think companies have today versus like 15, 20 years ago? Say that again, sorry? What challenges do you think that companies today have versus 15, 20 years ago in this atmosphere? Amazing question. I think one of the biggest challenge, and it, it might sound funny if people just hear that and they hear that bite and they say, what the hell is he talking about? Is diversity and inclusion. 15, 20 years ago, nobody talked about women in charge of companies. Nobody talked about uh, having an, uh, somebody from the LGBTQ uh, plus uh, yeah. you know, community be at the top of, of, of a company or uh, black and brown people. And I think that the biggest challenge for companies today is to kind of do that shift. Forget digital media. Why? Because Quebec is becoming very diverse. You want to talk about diversity? One out of two person in Toronto is not born in Canada. Yeah. Today, yeah. millennials, 66% of millennials in Toronto are not born in Canada. So this is crazy statistics we've yeah. never seen before. Their biggest challenge right now, and we see it, departments that are literally big companies are creating diversity and inclusion departments. Mm -hmm. But the sad part is a lot of times the person at that head of that company is not of diversity. No, they don't understand. They're going to be, sorry to say, but they're going to be white, Caucasian, Christian, right-wing male that is going to be in charge of hiring and uh, diversity and then they're going to hire a woman, they're going to hire a black person, forget First Nations, what is that? You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, the best companies are the ones today, we see at Google. Go to Google, see how many brown people you yeah. see there. Go to Airbnb, <coughs> go to Instagram, go to all these companies you consume every day, Amazons. I promise you, you will, uh, you will have never seen so mm -hmm. much diversity. Yeah. You'll never see so many women. And in position of power, in position to make decision like that matter. Not just like, hey, we're, we're meeting the quota of yeah. diversity. And that's the biggest challenge. You know why? Because if you have diversity on your team, you're going to have diverse kind of results and diverse kind of opinion. Mm -hmm. So when we're voting on, hey, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, do we get on Facebook? Right? Yeah. Or today, hey, do we get on Instagram? 
Well, guess what? If you have a diverse team, somebody's going to say, well, yeah, because my entire community is on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, because the kids are there. But if you only have one-sided views of where you should be, you're going to make one-sided decisions. That's normal. And, and for the future, let's say these companies, this is what they're kind of facing in the near future. Yeah. In the long run, what do you think those challenges are going to be? In the long run, I think the biggest, biggest threat to traditional businesses is e And the internet's not going anywhere. No. The e-com industry is just destabilizing everything. It's destabilizing real estate. Think about this. Like, it used to be you just grab real estate and you're good to go, right? Now we're talking about VC, brother. Venture capitalists. Mm-hmm. Forget real estate. Like, there's going to be wealth created, monetary wealth, in the next 10, 15 years from people under the age of 25 that it took... A hundred years for Jewish families, Italian families, Greek families, Quebec families to attain. They're going to attain it just by raising uh, 15,000 from the BDC and going to Silicon Valley and 15 million, sorry, and convincing somebody to to do a series B at a valuation of 100 million. You never saw this. Mm -hmm. So companies are going to have to to face uh, the internet and the innovation uh, uh, era in a very, very different way. That's why diversity is their real challenge. Because... In e-com and in this uh, era where there's going to be a bunch of tech millionaires and billionaires that are made, these people don't care. You're going to have a 21-year-old that's going to come in your field. Your father built a business. And he's going to say, you know what? I'm, I'm disrupting your industry. Yeah. And I don't give a shit if you go bankrupt. Yeah. Why? Because you're not, you're not shifting enough. You're it's, not already, it's already happening. It's happening 100%. Hotel industry, Airbnb, Airbnb taxi. Look, look yeah. at how many Haitian people... Caucasian Quebecers driving taxis for 40 years, 50 years. Coming in. There's a guy that opened in vain on, on yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes on TV. You know how desperate you got to be to cut your veins on TV? But it's funny. It's true what you're saying about disruptive because even the government has no idea how to handle they it. They got no clue, brother. Yeah. Look at this cannabis industry popping up. Instead of embracing it, running with it, and kind of say, hey, okay, now how do we make money with this? Forget cannabis. Technology. Like if they were really young and diverse at the government level, with young people, I said it, intergenerational diversity is as important as ethnic, cultural, color diversity. If they had young people, people from different communities, they would be able to do the. I still go on websites from the Canadian and government and Quebec government. I get my nose starts to bleed. Like these websites are, I'm like, who the hell's behind this? Yeah. We have billions of dollars. Behind, they're behind, they're behind. Like they're way behind. How yeah. does this, that makes no sense. Yeah. Go to the private sector, pay some young geeks, update your website, make them user-friendly. And if you don't do that, you're going to keep getting disrupted. And then you're going to complain and you're going to point fingers at Melanie Jolie. Oh yeah, Netflix. What do you want her to do? You're going to point fingers at a bunch of people. That's what, that's going to keep happening. That's going to keep, we're going to keep pointing fingers, especially in Quebec. Because Quebec is always a bit more behind yeah. economically and innovation-wise, yeah, right? Yeah. Sadly enough. Uh, but the good news is um, with our mayor, Valérie Plante, I think she's doing a lot of efforts to kind of uh, support kind of this entrepreneurial wave. But it's been a while now. Uh, Quebec government as well yeah. is trying to Like Montreal very, uh, has become really a hub. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of, yeah, you know, yeah This yeah. high-tech That's why I'm saying yeah. shout out to her, shout out to, to our elected official. It's becoming a hub for AI. But now we got to be careful with this. We got to be careful with just being an AI. No. B, that's why I respect a lot Toronto. They're a hub for all entrepreneurs. They're not just saying, hey, we're AI. No, 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 no. This is an entrepreneurial hub. You have an idea. We have the funds. We have the head office of all the banks. We have the VC, the venture capitalists. Now I'm just interested in um, who's going to be the person to really champion not just VC money, but uh, diverse kind of VC and venture capitalists. That's more in First Nation. I'm, I'm still waiting for a First Nation entrepreneur to just come out and say, you know, have an amazing story yeah. and inspire an entire generation, a young black woman, you know. Uh, and and I'm, I hope that I'm still waiting for that that entrepreneur in Canada. Speaking of inspiration, know. we're going to close that up because I know that you're a very busy, man. I want to talk about My Voice Matters. This is a, your nonprofit that you created. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is the the, the one um, tool that you use to bring uh, value uh, to a lot of people's lives. Talk to me a little bit about that. My Voice Matters is a nonprofit that aims to. Um, and it's, again, thanks to President Obama, when I heard that active citizenship uh, term, I had never heard that terminology three years ago. And, and I said, you know what? How does, how does how do marginalized community become active citizenship? Well, they have to be emancipated and they have to have a voice economically. They have to have a voice socially and they have to have a, vo- a voice culturally. 
So how about I start a nonprofit where we do that? So how do I do economic voice? How do I give somebody an economic voice? And that's where Influence Conferences was born. Yeah. We said we do conferences that are affordable because if affordability is not at the table, you, you, lose, have, you yeah. lose diversity yeah. automatically. You know that. You've yeah. seen it in politics, yeah. Yeah. right? So if I make sure that this is affordable, then I'm going to have diversity. And it's worked. So the economic portion, Influence Conference. We talk about entrepreneurship. We bring marginalized communities that never heard about entrepreneurship. We bring them to the table, not, not leave them on the menu. The, the social part is our first initiative, which I'm super proud of. We did a micro or nano project uh, where we paid kids to read books. And then I got a lot of people like, oh, you're paying kids to read book. It's not good. But I, 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 t I tell them, take out the paid kids to read book and think about it as we're paying kids to acquire knowledge. Mm -hmm. Then suddenly like, oh, interesting. Because that's what you're doing. You're paying them to acquire knowledge. And like I tell a lot of the people, I, I got one or two comments, hundreds of positive ones. But I told them, I said, I, wanna, I want kids to learn that there's no age that they could acquire knowledge. And if it's going to take for me to, to compensate them, to make the time to take the time to acquire knowledge, well, I'll be I'll be damned if I don't do it. So we're going to be paying kids to read books. We're starting starting with the neighborhood of La Salle and um, and uh, Côte d'Ivoire. Then we're going to Park Extension. Yeah, I sent you a message because I saw it and I thought it was very interesting. Saint Michel, uh, Montreal North. What, what are you going to do? You're approaching the schools, or we're approaching community leaders. Uh, we're collaborating a hundred percent. This is driven by uh, Omu, who's our manager. We we love you, Omu, and uh, Maria Bello as well. Uh, she's taking care of this. And we're literally um, approaching community leaders, telling them to give us uh, uh, access to certain space and, and certain kids that they know that would love to be I'd part of this. I'd love to help you out with uh, in Park X, especially or Villery, if you Amazing. come. I'll, uh... Amazing. We're paying them 14 bucks an hour to acquire knowledge. But the second part, which is the most important part, we want them to learn how to analyze the knowledge they acquired more importantly communicate yeah, what they do with it exactly so we're going to create debate clubs so we're going to have debate gangs like we call them iq gangs uh from la salle and once a year we're going to do a big debate competition where all these kids have learned to acquire knowledge and they, talk, got paid. they can talk about various issues exactly debate exactly I, I think it's amazing so obviously this is still you know very new uh have you been able to follow up with some of these uh kids that have attended these seminars or these conferences very good uh, question uh yes we have how what kind of impact has it had I, what I'm loving from, I'd say a good 80% of them, they want to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, beyond just saying, hey, I want to be like Thierry Lindor, or I want to be like Charlemagne the God or Casey Neistat or all these other people they hear at our conferences. They get out of there and they say, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to work for myself. I want to create value. And you know what? I don't want to do drugs. I don't want to sell uh, kids and women. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to traffic like what I'm seeing in the neighborhood that I'm growing up. And all these cliches that we imagine of people from certain neighborhoods of Montreal, there are so many gems in these spaces. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So many gems. All they really need is the economic and resources. By economic resources, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about mentorship. I'm talking about And the example. encouragement, basically, you know, just to say, look, you can do it kind of thing. The flame, yeah. the ignition, and the power. And that's what, that's what I want to be, uh, I want to leave behind. I want to leave behind, I want someone someday. And I tell this to all of it, oh, you don't want to go in, I don't want to go in politics. I'm not the next Justin Trudeau or the next leader of this country. But I promise you this. If the person is from Canada, and from Quebec specifically, I want that person one day to say, I, I participated in an event called Influence Conference yeah, and it yeah, changed yeah. my life. That, George, I'm, I'll be able to die. Yeah. After that, I participated in an Influence Conference or My Voice Matter and it changed my life. Just to be the ignition. That's my purpose. That's why I'm put on earth and I know it. I know it. I, I've known it for about three, four years now. Awesome. I don't want to take up more of your time, man. Uh, I appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to seeing whatever you're going to be doing next. And if, uh, like I said, if there's any way that you think that I can help you out, especially in areas that... Um, you had impact. That, you were there for a long while, that I right? I worked in. Uh, I'll be more than happy to, uh, to open up those doors for you. How about we do this? For the next My Voice Matters in Park X, we want to initiate the kids to podcasting. I would love... For yeah. you to do like a workshop or seminar on it, you're evidently amazing at it. Yeah, I don't think so, but. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I've seen, I've been to a lot of podcasts, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. I could tell you're doing pretty well for a one man gang. You're it, doing it, good. It, it, honestly, for me, it's fun. It's more, more than anything. It's it's just that, and uh, that's why you could teach it. Yeah, because you're having fun. Absolutely. Look, man, whatever whatever you come up with, uh, I'm on board. All right, buddy. Pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you, thank you, George. Thank you.